Welcome to the pilot episode of Complementary, a design podcast where education meets practical application. I'm your host, Katie Langerman, joined by Anthony Hobday, and today we'll be discussing taste. So today we're going to have a conversation about taste as it relates to visual design. Yeah, fluffy topic. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't have to be. I never know if the word fluffy is the right word, but I have this vague term for topics that people have a hard time describing because they're so foundational to our experience mm-hmm. as human beings. But I, I think of them as fluffy because they're hard to describe, but we're all sort of aware of it sitting in the back of our mind somewhere. So that feels fluffy. I don't know if you have a... Yeah. Do you think about it in a similar way? I think I did uh, before I kind of started to dig into it and read a little bit more about it and try and find ways to kind of define it. Um, It did feel a little bit of like a vague topic that is hard to pinpoint. Mm. And there's also some association with it being an innate thing that some people have and some people don't have, which I think makes it feel like elite in some way or something that is not attainable for everybody. So when you think about it, almost like a magical kind of thing, it's much harder to define what it is versus talking about how to actually achieve taste or what are some things that make good taste, I think, Mm. makes it feel achievable. And this is a topic for a different episode, probably. But that magical quality you mentioned, that's always stuck with me because I've noticed that I think some designers like the fact that they have these magical abilities Mm. like taste and they can produce things that look really good that feels magical to a lot of people because a lot of people can't do it or don't understand how it is done and so I think this concept this fluffier concept of taste fits into that sort of story quite nicely because people are thinking oh I have good taste and so I'm I'm going to talk about like better than other people I don't want to make it about sort of elitism or something but yeah there's this element of I have good taste, and so that makes me special. And so I think there's almost an interest in maintaining that sense of taste is special, like it's innate or you're born with it, whatever it is. Right. I'm curious, because um, you said you did some research, how much did you find that was concrete? Concrete as in, like, what do you mean by that? Like clear or practical or reliable or good definitions, anything like that? I think I found some good definitions. I also found basically what I did was kind of um, look up the word taste with a few well-known designers that like I have followed for a while. Most of the things I found were actually designers who are new to me or, or not even designers, just people discussing taste. Um, and there were a couple of designers that I have been following for a while who would use the the term magic or innate um, Mm. when they're kind of describing taste, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, But some of the more concrete things that I found were not even necessarily related to visual design, just kind of discussing art as well, Mm. because taste can be, you know, it's not just about design. It could be about art and fashion or interiors, like it kind of spans a lot of different areas of your life or like taste in music, taste in people. Mm. It's kind of widespread. So I was really happy with the concrete examples, I think, that I found. I can read you a quote. Yeah. One of the quotes that I have here is from Brie Wolfson, who I just discovered uh, through doing this research. And she says, taste is a commitment to a state of attention. 
And I really liked that because it's kind of talking about like the action of having good taste and what you produce tastefully, I Mm. guess, rather than just the idea of taste being good or bad. It's more about the intention behind it and the work that you're putting in to doing something tastefully. And is that a state of attention while you're making or a state of attention while you're observing the world? Because they're both quite relevant. So I'm curious about which way you think, or was it clear which side she was talking about? I don't know that it was clear, but I kind of think it goes both ways. Mm. Maybe you, you kind of, that was something I also read about is like, you could have good taste in art, but not be able to produce art Mm. yourself. So you, in that sense, taste is like your own attention to the details and being able to pick up or dissect something or break apart something and to try to understand why it's tasteful versus somebody producing something that's tasteful where they're doing the action and putting in the work Mm. or following some rules of theirs to kind of produce that tastefully. Yeah, I've noticed there's this element of taste. You can be aware of what makes something beautiful, for example. And so you could pick out of a lineup, let's say, like this is the most beautiful one, but actually you don't necessarily know the techniques to produce that beauty in the first place. And so there's definitely this, because there's a few different definitions that float around for the concept of taste. And uh, one of them is just almost the, the ability to curate tastefully. Like I can pick things that I think are beautiful and other people will think are beautiful, put them in a gallery or, you know, in a, a website inspiration site. Uh, I was about to say website inspiration website, but that's, you know, inspiration website. <laughs> um, but you could also, uh, have good taste in how you create something. And that's that you're sort of learning extra stuff on top of the original curating ability there, because you're saying, here's how to create tasteful things, or I have the taste that helps me while I'm creating to pick the right option out of these 10 different options. Uh, So I've always found that interesting because I I think there's a lot of value in someone who's a good curator and uh, it makes them a good critic generally. Like I, I can't create a good film, but I know what a good film is. That's not me speaking, not necessarily. Uh, but, um, you know, a film critic doesn't necessarily create films, but they um, they can pick them out. And so it's interesting to think about whether they have taste in all ways. Hmm. Probably not. Do you think something that makes a critic, we'll talk about like a film critic, a better critic, is knowing that they are unable to produce that same level of art themselves? And just being able to appreciate it in someone else. This brings me to something that I was thinking earlier when you were talking, which was about something you were saying. I wasn't just off in my own world, which is that when you learn how to create tasteful things, it actually almost pulls you away from that sense of magic that people feel Mm -hmm. when they're talking about tasteful things like creating beauty. Because to be able to create it, you have to be a bit more cynical, in my opinion. You have to understand, oh, if I put these two colours together people feel sad or whatever it happens to be. And so in order to create tasteful things, there's an element of having to dig into the weeds, understand the mechanics, and that makes it less magical. Whereas I think you're right, if you're a critic and you're watching films, you can almost just enjoy the output. You don't have to think about the input as much. And probably understanding the input helps you to be a better critic in some senses. But actually there's a sense of wonder in someone was able to create this, and that's an impressive feat. And in that way, it's like a sleight of hand magician. As soon as you know how the trick was done, it's less impressive to watch it. 
uh, you almost have to be impressed on behalf of other people. Like, oh, I understand how this is done and I can see how mechanically it's actually quite boring. Uh, but the people in the audience are going to love this because uh, you can't really tell how it was done when you're seeing it firsthand. And so there's there's right. a sense there that, yeah, having the knowledge to create tasteful things almost makes you enjoy tasteful things less, which is a bit of a sad <laughs> paradox. It's like pulling you away from maybe why you wanted to create tasteful things in the first place. Right. I agree with that. And I, I feel like, especially with film critics, their audience might also be film critics and they, they want to understand behind the magic a little bit, mm. but like they don't want to know all of the nitty gritty because they're kind of there to learn a little bit more about a film that they enjoyed. So that critic has to like walk a fine line of not revealing all of the magic, still being entertaining, but they have probably more of an understanding of the mechanics of film than the person watching their content. So it's kind of a weird intermediate area in between the actual filmmaker and the viewer yeah the film i think understanding something is so important to taste in the first place but yeah the more understanding you get i think maybe the more cynical it feels i think this ties in with sort of designers in general i often see designers who have been in the industry for a long time get a bit cynical about the whole industry and i think maybe that affects this sort of area of taste as well like maybe they're not as interested in creating sort of software interfaces anymore or websites just because they've seen behind the curtain too much. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, that's a different uh, episode, probably not even of our podcast <laughs> because it's not necessarily about visual design, but it's, you know, there's um, there's definitely an element of, of taking it too far. But I think as long as as a designer, you understand all that and you're happy to get joy out of it in some other way, then um, the more you understand, probably the more, uh, tasteful your designs will be so um, I mean I, personally I find the joy in sort of digging into the mechanics and so I don't mind this sort of cynical worldview I think it's it's good to be able to pull it apart and be like no here here is how that works so that other people can make it work as well but I can see why some designers would be like no I want it to remain magical I want to create an interface and not necessarily know how I created such a tasteful thing uh, not necessarily know what drives my taste, that ability to understand why something is beautiful or not. And um, it's just quite an alien sort of thought process to me because I'm so interested in mechanics, but I can see I can see the value of it, especially if you're sort of self-worth almost. Yes. <laughs> Do you feel that taste can evolve over time or is there some limit that you hit? Well, maybe it's worth talking about the different definitions of taste because... Um, yeah. You said you looked into it, and so it sounded like you came across a couple of different uh, approaches. The the two that I landed on, and this was based on sort of reading books about the theory of design and everything, and so these aren't necessarily ones I've come up with myself. I've sort of distilled them from other places. But the two I've landed on are a, a person has taste if they understand why things are beautiful. And so that's sort of the critic approach of like, well, I guess it's also the designer approach of I understand how that thing was put together so that it is beautiful. Um, And I I guess beauty extends past just visual things like you were talking about, taste in film and taste in music. Beauty might not apply to those, but it's a similar, I think, concept. Um, But also I think if you say someone has taste, it's because potentially they have good knowledge of current style trends. 
And so there's one in the sense that you are tasteful if you can recognize universally and timeless beautiful things. And there's one definition that says you are tasteful if you are aware of what is currently popular. And you can pick that out and say, oh, no, this this is the, the most beautiful thing right now. Um, if you have that knowledge, then, for example, if you're that um, art curator stocking a gallery, you're picking things that are the most sort of popular style of painting now. And just being aware of that, those current trends. Uh, I think all, people also use taste to describe those people. But it's actually sort of a different knowledge set. And it is not timeless. It's You have to keep up with it. You have to keep looking at a lot of art and understanding or a lot of interfaces, websites to bring it back to the, the topic and understanding like these are the visual styles that are most popular right now. And so if someone wants to produce something that says this is modern or, uh, you, you know, this sends a specific message about this kind of product, you need to produce a website that looks roughly like this. And so th there's a definition of taste there that's a lot more uh, timely rather than timeless. Okay. With that second definition, do you feel like that person is lacking a foundation in good taste and they're more like, do, how do they get to that point where they're just kind of recognizing current trends? I think it's not necessarily they're just doing it because I think to pick out beautiful things that are also fashionable means you need to understand sort of why they're beautiful in the first place. I'm imagining furniture now. We keep using examples that isn't interfaces, but that's because I think <laughs> people people know them so well, sort of so instinctively. But like there are types of furniture that are quite plain, but they're completely beautiful. And so shaker furniture is the classic example where it's like it's extremely functional, but also they cared about proportions and everything. And, um, you know, material honesty using sort of uh, hardwood or whatever in the right way. And they built things that were beautiful, even though they weren't particularly eye catching. Maybe they were eye catching in their simplicity. But um, then you get things like Rococo, which a lot of people consider beautiful at the time, but it's, it's very extravagant. It's the complete opposite of shaker furniture. And so if someone wanted to stock their house with the most beautiful furniture, maybe you're working for an a interior design client or something, interior decoration client. If you want to stock their house with the most beautiful furniture, you might be expected by that client to stock it with the most fashionable furniture. If they turned up at home one day and it was all very simple shaker style furniture or something from Ikea or the equivalent that's not cheap, then um, they might say, oh, I asked for beautiful furniture. And what they really mean is they asked for fashionable furniture. And so you've got to understand the sort of current fashions. But to be able to even pick the products in the first place, you probably have to understand the sort of more foundational tastefulness of beauty as well like how those chairs should be constructed to look beautiful or when you're looking at a warehouse of uh, store showroom of chairs um which one is the most beautiful right so that someone thinks oh that's undeniably beautiful as well as being fashionable i'm not sure if that answers your question but uh, it doesn't feel like you can necessarily have lots of knowledge of fashion trends without also having some knowledge of the sort of foundational beauty right something i was thinking about a lot is the difference between like personal style and taste mm. because I feel like with interface design or really anything, you could see something that is not your personal style but feels tastefully done. Yes. So like, for example, a friend of mine was working on some like redesigning old school kind of Windows interface components like buttons and like super tactile kind of muted tones, kind yeah. of dull colors. Not my style, not something that I would you know, pull for myself, but it was so tastefully done. I could really appreciate it. And he's an amazing designer. So 
it's not surprising <laughs> that mm. it was tastefully done. But I was kind of thinking about that and like with interface design and trends, which is uh, of course an entirely different topic, <laughs> you could, you know, pick something that's really trendy right now, but do it really not tastefully and like not considered. Mm. And it would stand out to you if you have an eye or if you appreciate taste, you would see this is using a gradient for no reason or yeah, um, especially animations like scroll jacking and just kind of like it feels chaotic and not connected. So it's it could be a very current trend, but if it's not tastefully done, it kind of stands out. Whereas if it's tastefully done, it's almost like you don't notice these little details unless you're really looking for it. It feels harmonious and just like considered and simple in my opinion for yeah. taste. so you mentioned the buttons and i think that's a, a great example because they're relatively simple and uh, people have quite standard expectation from a button and so i think they're always a good almost case study and so if you take those sort of windows 95 gray uh, sort of more visually rich than a modern button if you take those what do you think it is that you're seeing in that button that makes you think yes this is tastefully done Oh, for me personally, I think sizing, spacing, mm. typography, border radius. I think mostly just the the padding and the spacing of a button. What makes it feel like a button? You mm. know, the size of it. Yeah, so those those almost feel like quite universal properties. Right. You, you could change the visual style so that it looks aesthetically different. Aesthetic is not the right word because aesthetically covers all of this we're talking about. But you could change the visual style so that it's recognizably a different button in sort of how it presents right. itself, its skin, you know. But actually the spacing and the padding and the border radius could all be the same. And I think you would still think it was tastefully done no matter what style it was in. Unless those other elements really like became extremely garish. Like if they use like mm -hmm. bright green with a purple text. But then again, you're getting into like that comes under typography, right? There's some fundamental things they're doing there tastefully that is about the mechanics of how you draw and construct a button. And so I think that's why they, that's what you're seeing with that Windows 95 style button, even though it's old fashioned and it has these sort of cultural connotations for you or associations, you're still seeing the sort of expert craftspersonship in, in the button. Yes, exactly. And so I think that comes down to it. It's like, in one sense, your good taste lets you recognize the mechanics of the button almost. Mm -hmm. And in another sense, your good taste lets you recognize, is this a modern looking button? And those feel like two different judgments almost for any designer who has right. taste. And they could probably have one or the other or both. And like you're saying, some people use those modern uh, visual styles without really constructing it well or getting the fundamentals right. And like you say, maybe the gradient is too bright and it just really grabs your attention when it shouldn't. And so they're, they're tasteful in the sense that they understand that you know, the linear website style is very popular right now. So they just copy that. But they're not thinking about their own, you know, uh, purpose for the website. They're not building it in the right way, in air quotes. And so I think that's where those, right. two, those two definitions come in. And I think it's interesting your point about the Windows 95 buttons, because tasteful things are often timeless. You know, we can appreciate them throughout yes. the ages. And that, these two definitions are part of the problem, I think, in that I think when some people say taste they mean a more sort of temporary understanding of what's good right now. And then when some people say taste, they mean a more timeless understanding of what makes something good forever. Which, you know, the Windows 95 buttons are very competently drawn buttons. You know, I think they'll always 
make sense and be understood by people. They just won't necessarily look modern and they already don't. Something I wanted to kind of think about is personal taste and how it relates to you being on a team of people who all might have different tastes and kind of like how you function together as a unit. I guess taste of a product that you're working on in in visual design comes from somewhere or someone who's kind of established a baseline that you're all sort of working towards. Mm. But I find it very common that there's different levels of taste when you're working with other designers on a team and um, it can be difficult to kind of navigate those conversations. If you don't have a strong sense of taste and you're unable to articulate your perspective or reasoning for making a design decision, then it those conversations don't go so well. If, if both designers can kind of like rally with each other on their own personal taste, I think it can work in a team setting. But I'm curious if you have thoughts or experience with that. At my uh, last job, we were interviewing designers. And one of the questions I liked to ask was, do you have any personal design principles that you might consider that might be considered controversial? And that's because in a lot of conversations we've been having at that job, we've been having disagreements about the style of something or how to approach something visually. Yeah. Uh, we built a web platform. And so there wasn't a lot of room for visual expression because it was an you know, application interface. But um, we'd be talking about things like, should we add color here? Or what should we reserve color for? That sort of thing. And one of the most useful things about my experience as a designer in those conversations was that I knew what my personal preferences were. And we saw how useful that was to be able to say, well, I prefer to use uh, text over icons, let's say, and then we'll add an icon if we've got the space. And you prefer to use icons only because it looks cleaner and everything fits in a nice square box. Um, and so we clearly have a different opinion about that sort of thing, but we're aware of that, right? We can discuss it with that in mind, which is very helpful for those practical discussions of you're arguing for text and an icon because that's your personal preference. And you're arguing for icon only because that's your personal preference. And so we would ask new designers who wanted to join the team, do you have any sort of principles like that that you have noticed? And a lot of people, especially early in their career, didn't know what their personal principles were their personal preferences were. And I think they probably had them, they just weren't aware of them. And maybe they were having disagreements with other team members in their, their current jobs where they didn't realise that's where the disagreement was coming from, like you are saying. Like that they weren't able to articulate their personal preference. Which is a shame because I think awareness of what you prefer really helps to sort of calm everything down and be able to say, this is what I prefer. I realise that's what I prefer. I can appreciate the pros and cons of it. And so if you all hate it, then I understand completely because it's a bit of an extreme position. But other things you can say like, no, this is sort of the standard way we design buttons. So your personal preference to have buttons that are taller than they are wide is a bit silly and we shouldn't do that because um, you know most preferences disagree with yours, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think there, you know, the level's there and I think it's very important for people to be aware of their own personal preferences. Otherwise, like you say, those conversations quickly go wrong and people aren't, aren't really sure why. And that's... Right. That's bad. You know, if, if you're all angry at each other and don't know why, then you can't really solve, <laughs> can't really uh, figure it out and solve the problem. But mm-hmm. um, you said you, I think you said you've been hearing these sorts of conversations yourself. I'm curious about, do, do you have a sense of, is there a pattern of what kinds of visual design elements are being disagreed about? Well, for me, I think we've like touched on this already, but taste first and foremost to me is about the craft and the 
the consideration that you're putting into something and you're mm. really thinking through your design decisions or you're looking at work that you appreciate and dissecting and figuring out why. And so disagreements, not even disagreements, but um, just like seeing someone's, you know, first few iterations of design where it's clear that there was no consideration and there was either maybe following a rule or convention or like a copy paste of, especially when you're working on a product that's existed for a long time, like patterns already exist. You're kind of copying from previous things, but they don't always work for whatever case you're, you're working on. So that is usually pretty apparent to me immediately when I don't feel that the design was totally considered or in the case of design systems, which is where I focus mostly all of the cases were not considered because you have to consider all the states of Mm. everything, which is the same for interface design, but for component design, it goes a lot deeper. Um, And so what I'm kind of hearing from this conversation is having personal taste is useful for you as an individual, even working on your own stuff, because it gives you something to kind of rely on for your own work and your own point of view not just relying on trends or kind of seeing what's out there and copying things. I mean, that's a good way to learn and to start, but you can't always rely on external feedback when you're working alone on something. So having your own principles and sense of taste to kind of start with, I think is really critical for working on something by yourself. But then on a team, also bringing that perspective helps you have better conversations with other designers so you can actually achieve the taste that you're going or the style that you're going for, for whatever product you're working on and be able to kind of speak to those decisions and not just throw something out there and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. It just leads to much more productive conversations and better working relationships, I think. Yeah. I think that first definition of taste that I talked about where you have an understanding of what makes something beautiful ties in a lot to what you were saying about being able to recognize whether something is well-made, whether there's intention behind it. And I, I realised, because I wasn't always this way, I definitely sort of learned it over time. I realised that now if I look at a website, for example, because uh, I look a lot of, I look at a lot of landing pages because I'm always interested in seeing these sort of modern trends. Now I realise when I look at something in the first five seconds or so, probably even less than that, I get a sense of whether it was designed with a lot of intention, whether it's sort of high quality design. And it, it's because I'm picking up on so many and I'm sure you're the same way, it's because I'm picking up on so many sort of very small cues in the interface about whether a person approached it with intention, systematically, you know, um, almost with confidence. Because there's definitely a point at which you don't know enough about that yet. And so you can look at a design and not see those things. And that's part of taste. You don't have this mechanical understanding of good design. Part of the problem with this uh, conversation as a whole, I suppose, is that Taste is often used to describe, like, do you understand what makes an interface high quality? And quality is an absolutely massive topic that I'm fascinated by, but it, it sort of has tendrils in almost everything you can do in your design work. And it, it's so much about intentionality and rigor, about sort of being intentional about every single decision you make. And I think a person with good taste recognizes that instinctively and can see it almost immediately when they look at something. And so, yeah, it must be hard to have this sort of feedback session, let's say, or a critique session with someone else who doesn't quite have that level of understanding and can't quite look at it and say, oh, I'm missing this. Because then you're almost focusing too much on the, the smaller things like, oh, the, the corner radius on this doesn't match this over here or the, the spacing's off. 
and it's it would be nicer if all of the discussions around that were focused on the sort of higher level more expressive elements and less on the the foundational stuff and so it'd be nice if everyone had better taste just because they could quickly understand oh this isn't quite there yet and i think that you're right that's extremely helpful if you're working alone because you can look at something and understand you need to go further with it whereas someone else might it might slow them down just because they're going through a lot more iterations feedback loops with someone else involved which obviously takes more right. overhead and we talked a little bit about magic earlier and um artists kind of wanting to keep their their skill mm. magical to other people and i think if you're on a team and you understand your taste and you're working with someone who doesn't maybe have a strong sense of why they're making decisions that they're making instead of being kind of nitpicky with your critiques of their work or even redesigning it for them and giving suggestions from definitely guilty of <laughs> doing that, uh, trying to educate them on why it doesn't fit into the system or why it doesn't fit into the product or how to make it feel more crafted and considered will kind of help make more designers understand taste and it won't be such a magical thing that only a couple of designers can kind of comprehend. So just sharing that knowledge, I think, mm. is kind of critical there. I've always been interested in teaching people how to be better designers, especially with visual design. I've always found it a bit daunting, which is why I take the, the approach where I just write down everything I know. Because when you look at, I haven't really broken it down or even tried to, when I look at a website and realize it's not particularly well done in the first three seconds, my mind must be processing hundreds of different things about the interface. Like, oh, this corner radius doesn't match this corner radius. And so I'm, I'm sort of considering all those corner radiuses, but I'm also considering like colors and contrast, all those things, uh, type sizes. Uh, line height is one that just stands out so strongly to me that I cannot believe other people can't see. Like this heading has a line height that's too big and it drives me <laughs> mad. Uh, and so I'm processing all those hundreds of things. And how do you teach that to someone, right? Because you've got to teach them about a hundred different things that might be wrong with a design. And uh, I can see why that feels overwhelming and it's easy to sort of give up and redesign it for them, like you say. How do you teach them it to it's kind of you go back to the foundations? Mm. So like, how did you pick? How did you learn to have good taste? Did you study graphic design and learn about white space and like grouping of items and hierarchy? And I think you probably have to kind of start smaller and just learn the fundamentals of design to to have good taste, maybe. Mm. The, the advice I usually give is that people should immerse themselves, which is the most practical advice, or it's the, the simplest way to get good taste is to look at a lot of well-designed things. But the problem with the simple approach is that it takes about four years, let's say, and you're looking at <laughs> hundreds and thousands of well-designed things, and your brain is naturally good at picking out those patterns and understanding those things that make it well-designed. And so then you can recognize them in other things. But the problem with that is you can't teach it in a 30-day boot camp. You have to right. set them the homework almost and say, in four years' time, you're going to have great taste. And some people aren't interested in, in four years of work. But I think that's practically probably the approach I took is that I was looking at so much good design and then supplementing it with reading graphic design books and uh, you know maybe see some YouTube videos here or there or read articles about these things. But each one of those will take, teach you one, two, maybe three little tidbits and you actually need a thousand tidbits to finally have that good taste and so getting there either through reading all the articles or the books or looking at all the good design it'll probably end up taking you roughly the same amount of time but the good thing is that any little improvement you make 
is better, right? It, it's a it's a gradual improvement. You don't have to wait until the four years are up before you're a better designer. It'll happen overnight if you carry on looking at things. It's just it'll happen right. relatively steadily and slowly. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about looking at things. It's about wanting to learn why those things are better or you consider them tasteful or beautifully designed. You have to have like some kind of drive to want to learn mm-hmm. and fully understand, I think, the intention behind something. And not everybody is interested in that and putting in that kind of work. Not everybody lo- likes to learn a lot. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. And uh, that's an interesting point about the the whole magic idea is that some designers did learn it quite naturally and they learned it maybe when they were young, which I think is where this concept of you're born with taste comes from. Um, I think those, my theory, and I haven't heard it disproven yet, but maybe someone will pop up one day, is that people who were born with sort of natural taste actually were exposed to a lot of beautiful things from an early age. Maybe their parents had a lot of you know, beautiful mm. things in their house or maybe they were looking at a lot of beautiful book covers. And so they started picking up those patterns early on. Their brains started doing the work much earlier. And so I'm a firm believer that anyone can learn to be to have that taste because I did it. I wasn't an artistic person before I became a designer. Uh, and now I think I have good taste and I have a good understanding of what makes something beautiful. And so I think there's hope for anyone who wants to pick it up. Uh, I think the people who say that taste is natural or innate don't quite have the right understanding of how they picked it up. Uh, because I don't ha- know how you could be born with a good sense of what's beautiful. Um, except I will say as an aside, that a lot of what we think is beautiful is because that's what's best in nature. And so there's a whole biological argument there that, you know, probably not got enough time to get into. But yes, I think anyone who had a head start had a head start because they have this natural knowledge. And I think maybe that's where some of that idea of good design is magical comes from, because some people have that sort of more innate knowledge and they don't necessarily know how they acquired it. And so they're not really able to share it with people. That's their only memory. It's just always kind of having a sense <laughs> for for design. I want to uh, just pick on one point that you just you mentioned earlier about looking at websites and kind of immediately picking up on patterns and seeing you can tell within three minutes that it's you know like good taste. Is that a skill that you learned, or or was that ability innate in in, in you, innate the ability to pick up patterns basically? Uh, no, I think every human brain is extremely good at pattern recognition, as long as you give it enough input. Uh, I think there's a lot of parallels there between how the human brain works and how we now know that artificial intelligence works or machine learning, is that if you feed it enough inputs, it starts to recognize the patterns. And I'm not saying that the brain and a machine learning algorithm work the same way, because I think there are probably lots of people who would point out that it doesn't. But I think it's the same cause and effect. And so I think it wasn't something I intentionally wanted to do. And I think I assumed I would always have bad taste. But just through looking at all of that mm. stuff over the years, I've been a designer now for eight and a half years or so. Uh, I realized that now I have a better taste. And it's just because I'm recognizing these things without realizing at first I'm recognizing them. Right. So I think you can be intentional about it, but it's not an intentional act, like actually sticking it in your brain. You have to just surround yourself with stuff that looks good. Uh, so it's, it doesn't necessarily feel intentional for a lot of people. And different people choose to pay closer attention to different things mm. and they pick up patterns. So people might put more effort into picking up patterns in music, but not, you know, visual design. Yeah. And so we all have that innate sense 
Um, we all have the ability to get good taste. It's just where we choose to have good taste in potentially is like yeah, what drives it. And making that point even broader, you can imagine that the same mechanic is responsible for people who are good at social interaction. Right, that they've picked up on these patterns and they naturally know how to respond to them. You wouldn't describe them as having good taste, but they do in a way. They have a good taste for social interaction. Like they're more sort of socially aware or emotionally aware. And uh, I'm sure there are people who are really into mathematics, for example, and they see patterns in formula, let's say, or uh, algebra. Or I don't know much about mathematics, but um, <laughs> they're recognizing patterns as well, and maybe they're better at it for that. But you wouldn't also call that taste. But it is still pattern recognition. I think they're um, right. Yeah, it's sort of a, a universal mechanic that we're, we're relying on for survival in general, but we can turn it towards the arts. And uh, it's very helpful if you want to create the arts or just appreciate them more. Um, yeah, recognizing those patterns. I think you're right. Yeah. I think we should probably wrap it up here. Yes, it's far too easy, just too long <laughs> about this. Any closing thoughts? I want to say again that anyone can get good taste if they want to put the effort in. I think your point about how it's intentional is very important. Like they have to want to do that. It does take time. Unfortunately, it's not overnight, but it is easy or simple in the sense that your brain will do it for you as long as you, on a regular basis, choose to look at beautiful things and sort of study them critically. Right? If you're just flashing them in front of your eyes, it's not going to be as good as if you slow down and say, what are they even doing in this website or this interface? Uh, that might account for why it's beautiful. I think that will speed up the whole process. I say that because I think that's the approach I took. It might work differently for different people, but um, that all sort of lines up with what I've read about taste and uh, how the mind works. So I think that's what I'd recommend because I think that's what will help designers improve a lot over their careers. Mm -hmm. What about you? I I agree with that. I, I think I'm also thinking about it in terms of career and working on teams or working individually as a designer, finding your taste is something that you can rely on for your own work, but it also will make you a better teammate and partner mm. to other designers. So I think it's an important tool to have in your toolkit and something very worthy of investing time in and putting the effort into kind of figuring out what that means for you as a designer. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how we're supposed to end this, but thank you. I also don't know how to end this, but thanks for a great conversation and I'm looking forward to the next one. Bye.